So what's going on podcast? I've just finished up a lecture here at the University Arts of London. I'm doing a week-long lecture. I've got 12 students, all international students from Brazil, from India, from Saudi Arabia, from Turkey. So it always makes me want to travel whenever I finish up. But I do apologize for the audio on this, whether it's a little bit echoey. All the students have just left and I wanted to create this episode because I wanted to share five things that I wish I knew when I was younger. Probably when I wish I knew when I was 18, when I was about to experience the loss of my dad through suicide, when I was about to deal with that grief, when I was about to turn 19 and about to deal with the depression, the anxiety that I was facing. If I look back and I think about the lessons I now know, what do I wish I would have known at that time? Now, when I say I wish I would have known them at that time, Obviously, I couldn't have changed it back then. And I think as well, me not knowing them at that time made me understand them a lot more and made me have to face them and be able to learn from them. So I think it's important to know just before we dive into those that a lot of what I'm about to share with you has come through a process. It's come through a process of me facing a lot of sort of downtimes, me facing a lot of painful times. And if you're listening to this right now and you are struggling and you're not in a good place, the, you know, use that as strength in a way. Remember that these are all lessons that you're going to be learning. And with time, maybe when you come out of it, you're going to have more resilience. You're going to have more sort of lessons to build upon. But the five things that I wish I knew that I was 18. And these are five things that, again, hopefully they're going to help you. But the first thing is that we have to focus on what I control. I had to focus on what I could control. And I get a lot of messages and a lot of the messages stem from someone else's judgment or they stem from someone else's sort of words that they've said or something else that someone's done. And I actually, we all have to realize that we can only control what we can control. And that's normally our mind. That's normally our reaction to a situation. And the example that I always use is when my dad died from suicide, it was very much the grieving process was why has this happened to me? I need to see my dad again. I'm not going to be able to get married without my dad. I'm not going to be able to have children without my dad. A very negative, lacking mindset. And the, the thing that I started to realize through a lot of therapy, through a lot of reading of books is what can I control? Can I control the past? Can I magically make my dad reappear? Can I magically bring him back to life? I can't control what has happened. I can't control the past. I can't control the situation that I'm currently in, what I can control with time is my reaction and my perspective. And what I managed to do was turn that around into great gratitude. So I was very grateful that I had an amazing dad for 18 years and that he was there to teach me to, you know, be that dad that um, a lot of people would wish for. You know, a lot of people grow up without a dad or they grow up with a dad and they're not very nice people. And even though my dad had his challenges, he wasn't perfect in any right. I'm, I'm very lucky that um, I had a dad who, who was the dad that I had for 18 years. So we have to focus on what we can control. If someone says something negatively to you, or if someone's consistently draining you, or maybe it's a manager at work and they're not listening to you, can we control the manager? Can we make them change their behaviors? We can sometimes try and subtly change it, but there's no way that I can control the behaviors of that manager. What I can control is my reaction to it. How do I react to the manager? How do I react to what they're saying? How do I react to the situation that I'm in with that person? 
That's the only thing I can control. I can only control how I'm reacting, how I'm processing it, my perspective on it. I cannot control anything outside of that. Worry as well. There's so much worry about anxiety about the future. I cannot get married without my dad. What if this happens? Can I control that? I can't control that at all. And then that moves on to the second thing that I wish I knew, which is we have to be present. We have to be present in the present moment. And it's the hardest thing to do, but the only thing that exists is the now. So the only thing that exists is the now. The past is the past. I cannot change it. I cannot control it. All I can do is learn from it. The future will never exist because when the future arise, arises, it's going to be the present moment. So we can obviously create habits every single day in the present moment that will set us up for a better future. But when a future date comes, what is it? It's the present moment. It's the now. There's a really good book by Eckhart Tolle called The Power of Now. It was one of the first books that I read, um, again, when I was going and seeing Anne and going through therapy. And even though the principle is so basic, it's one of the hardest things to do. How do we stay present when we're always thinking about the future or we're always consumed in the past? And one of the things that I do to try and stay present is, again, know that it's the only thing that I can control. I can only control the now. I can't control what may happen in the future, and I cannot change or control what's happened in the past. All I can control is the present moment. And a few things to help us stay present is meditation, is mindfulness, is kind of looking around and being grateful for everything that we see, sort of using our senses in a way of keeping ourselves grounded and present and knowing that it's the only thing we can control. And all of this, for me, is trying to work towards peace, trying to work towards a calm mind. That's a simply it. It's never to cure what we're going through. Apologize for the background noise. I'm in the middle of London. It's never to cure what we're going through. It's literally to work towards peace. It's never to make negative thoughts go away. We're always going to have negative thoughts. We're always going to have bad situations happen to us. But it's always to strive towards peace and a calm mind. And I think being present is a big part of that. I recently had to learn that um, about two years ago through my brother's accident. My brother had a traumatic brain injury. He was in a coma for some time. When he came through the coma, it was very much of how's he going to recover? How's he going to recover? Is he going to survive? And there was no answers that they could give us. And of course, your mind is racing to the future of what happens if my brother loses this ability? What happens if my brother dies? What happens if you know this happens and this happens? And my mind was racing up in the future, but at the same time, my mind was racing up in the past. Why has this happened to Steve? I was reliving it in my mind, trying to picture everything that he had to go through um, and the impact that he, he faced. And um, you know, it was hard, but the only thing that I could do, the only thing my mum could do, the only thing that we could all do was be present go and see my brother as much as we could every single day. My mum was there every day for 11 and a half months when he was in hospital, every single day without fail. And we both had to go there every day and think about what's happening now. Not that what could happen in two years' time or is Steve never going to be able to walk or is Steve never going to be able to talk or speak or eat or any of this. It was how is Steve right now? And just focusing in on the now and being present and just almost trusting in a way that if we stay present, if we try and stay positive, then positive things will come. And there's a really good thing that I always look at, that depression stems from living in the past. Anxiety stems from living in the future. Peace stems from being present and living in the now. So it's hard to do, but I highly, highly recommend that you look at that. And The Power of a Now is a really, really good book. The third lesson that I wish I knew, don't worry about judgment. 
like I had such a big ego, such a big insecurity around what people's perception of me was. And I was always worried. I would literally, I would come across as that confident, outgoing person, but my mind was on overdrive. Like, what is that person thinking of me? You know, is my tie out of place? What am I wearing? Are they judging what I'm wearing? When I'm talking to them, have I got something in my teeth? Why are they looking at my eyes in that way? Why are they looking at my hair in that way? Is my hair out of place? It was constant, constant, constant overdrive and overwhelm. And it's draining. It's exhausting to go wherever we can and always have these thoughts of what is this person thinking of me? Fearing judgment of others, trying to please others, worrying, worrying about people's opinions of us. And it's super draining. And again, this didn't happen overnight. But one of the things that helped me with it is, again, coming back to that, what can I control? If that person is judging me negatively, what can I do about that? I can't control that person's mind. I cannot control that perception that that person has of me. All I can control is my reaction to it. If that person is thinking that I'm a douchebag and that I've said the wrong thing and that I've got something in my teeth, what can I do about that? I can't control anything but my reaction to that person's judgment. The second thing as well that I actually realized is we're all human beings. We all have mental health. We all have insecurities. We all have fear of judgment. We all have ego. We all have anxieties. We all have fears. And every person that we meet, even though we feel like they're judging us, all they are really, really interested in or worried about is themselves. That's not saying that they're selfish in any way, but all that person is thinking and worrying about is themselves. They're probably standing there having a conversation with you, worrying about how they're looking, worrying about what they're saying, worrying about something that's happening in their life. And they've got all of their own insecurities, all of their own anxieties that they have to deal with. We're all human beings. The average person has 50 to 70,000 thoughts every single day. That person that you believe is judging you and making an opinion of you and thinking about that constantly and sharing it with their friends, it isn't true because you're not that important for them to consistently think and worry about you. So fear of judgment for me came down to knowing what I can control. I can't control people's opinions of me. And also knowing that everyone has their own insecurities, everyone's a human being, everyone has their own fears, and actually knowing that we're all quite alike. Even the people that come across as confident and bubbly and the ones who are leading the conversation, in fact, a lot of them are very insecure. A lot of them are doing that as a way of protecting their ego, as a way of protecting their insecurities. And actually, if we get on that deeper level, we'll actually start to understand that this person's a human being. This person is experiencing something similar to what I'm experiencing. So I don't have to feel like they are a threat to me. And that for me was massive um, in terms of helping me. And it's so crippling to walk around, to live day to day, worrying about people's judgment of us. And I think a lot of it shows that when it comes with age, how important it is that we remove this judgment or this fear as quickly as we can. You don't see a 92-year-old worrying about what people think of them because they're coming towards the end of their life and they've been able to experience it and actually realize that people don't really judge us as much as we think that they are. So again, the earlier you can learn this, the more free you can become the more you can become you as well. The fourth thing I wish I knew was live in abundance, not in lack. I was very just naturally conditioned in a way, and I think a lot of it come from my dad, to focus on what I haven't got. So my dad was constantly worried about money, like 
paying the bills, um, not having enough money for a pair of boots that I wanted, or going on holiday, but going on holiday in the cheapest way that we could, just in case he didn't have enough money. Now, in fact, my dad did have some money. My dad did have some savings, but my dad lived in a state of lack, um, scarcity, because that was how he was conditioned from my granddad. Like, my granddad's the tightest man on earth. He's not so much anymore, um, again, because he's getting older and he's starting to realize that money's not that important. But my dad was conditioned in a way to look after your money, to live in lack, to um, remember that, you know, have a big fear around losing all your money. And I think a big part of that was my dad's downfall leading, leading up to his depression and his suicide, because I think he actually realized and he lost some money in the stock market, how obsessed and how controlled he was by money and focusing on the lack of money that he thought that he had. And I was always focused in on what I haven't, what I hadn't got. So the money that I didn't have, the business success that I didn't have, the um, how I looked, you know, um, the body that I didn't have, like the six pack that I didn't have, all of this kind of things that I wish I had that I didn't. And then all that's doing is, is putting me in a mindset of lack. I don't have this, I don't have this, I don't have this, I don't have this. It's very negative. There's nothing positive about me thinking about everything that I simply do not have. And I think we're all very natural to do that. Social media doesn't help with that because I'm comparing myself to someone else, the body that they have, how they look, the business that they have, the relationship that they have, you know, the success they're having. I'm comparing myself to them on social media every single day. And then I'm saying to myself, I don't have this, I don't have this, I don't have this. And I'm getting deeper and deeper into that negative mindset. Instead, we need to learn to live in abundance. There's so much abundance out there. The business lesson that I always give, and I've just delivered a talk um, or a lecture here at the London College of Fashion, as I've said, about branding, about creating your own business, is the fashion market is so crowded, but there's still such an abundance. There's a huge amount of money. There's a huge amount of abundance for every single brand to get involved. Now, even though it's so competitive, there's massive amounts of abundance out there for anyone to start a business and for anyone to make it a successful business. At the same time as well, there's so much abundance that as a fashion brand myself, I have no fear collaborating with another fashion brand. Even if I send them sales, even if I send them more visitors than they send me, I still know that there's a huge abundance in the industry and a huge abundance even in the world that that collaboration means that I'm still going to win eventually as well. And I think when it comes to abundance, we have to actually focus in on everything that we do have. We forget the houses that we own, the roofs over our head, the water that we can get from a running tap. On that note as well, I just want to point out my little boy, Freddie, he's 10 um, next week. He's actually given up his birthday. He's given up his birthday for a charity called Charity Water. They do 100% donations to clean water. Um, a huge amount, I think it's one in 10 people struggle without clean water. They don't have clean water. He's given up his birthday. He's having no presents and he's getting people to donate to charity water. If you go onto my Instagram, if you go onto my Facebook, just search Paul McGregor or pmcgregor.com. If you go over to my Twitter, my LinkedIn, wherever you go, um, you'll be able to see a link to his page. If you can donate, that'd be amazing. Um, bless his little cotton socks. He's definitely a wise soul. He's donating that because as he's rightly seen, he can get water from any tap. He walks to the tap at home, clean water, he drinks it. But there's so many people, one in 10 people, don't have access to that. So in fact, we need to be hugely grateful for that. There's an abundance of water that a lot of us have access to. There's abundance of jobs. There's an abundance of money. 
there's an abundance of relationships of people out there willing to help. But when we're only focused in on the lack, we're getting into that negative mindset. So instead, actually think about everything that you can be grateful for, everything that we have out there, the opportunities that we have out there. Um, and that's going to make us more into a positive mindset. That's helped me a lot when it comes to wanting more, but actually knowing that I have a lot already. It also comes down to as well that the fact of happiness, happiness isn't a destination. Everyone's saying, I haven't got this, but when I get here, I will be happy. They get there, they're not happy. We actually have to realize we have to be happy right now. It's a process. We have to live in abundance. And then the final point, the fifth lesson that I wish I knew that I would, when I was 18, when I was younger, is strive for freedom. Freedom for me is an essential that we're all striving towards. So the first freedom that I actually strived towards was career. So I left my nine to five job. There's a lot of accidents happening in London by the sounds of it, or negative burglaries. Um, again, state of lack straight away. Um, the first thing that I looked for was career freedom. So after dad died, I was in a nine to five. I was ready to work up the corporate ladder. I was ready to work the nine to five, make more money, get more experience. The kind of rat race that we're all in. A couple of months after dad died, I left. I wanted career freedom. My dad was saving for retirement at 50. He took his own life at 45. For me, that was a big, big lesson. It was a big wake up call that I need career freedom. I was very drawn into working on a beach, making money online, and I kind of went down that rabbit hole. But overall, I've managed to skimp by a lot of the times, do well, have success, make money. But to be honest, what I've managed to create is freedom career freedom. I don't have to go to a nine to five. I can work from home. I've worked from home for the last 10 years. Yes, I've had to do some bar jobs. I've had to do other work to sustain it. But I know that I have that freedom around my career. Um, and that for me is a huge freedom that's allowed more happiness in my life. Other freedom could be financial freedom. Instead of living to paycheck to paycheck, can we create financial freedom that we don't have to worry about money? Then it comes to um, freedom, happiness freedom, in the fact of are we looking for things to make us happy or are we just naturally happy? Is happiness coming from within or are we looking for items to make us happy? Happiness there, freedom there. Also as well, freedom, emotional freedom. Are we being exhausted by our emotions? Is it draining? Is our mind consistently controlling us or are we controlling our mind? For me, can we strive towards emotional freedom as well? Because freedom is all we're actually striving towards. We're striving towards freedom and the more we can strive towards that and so the more that we can actually attain that and the more that we can be ourselves, the better. The more we can live our lives on our terms, the happier we are going to become. So for me, that's five things that I wish I knew that I was eight, when I was 18, when I was younger. Hopefully it's given you some insight. Hopefully it's given you... I don't know, something to take away. I do apologize for the bad audio quality, but I really wanted to get it out there. Um, please, if you're enjoying this podcast or you enjoyed this episode, let me know. Let me know on any of the social media platforms, pmcgregor.com, search for Paul McGregor, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. I'm in as many places as I can be right now. If you want to drop me an email, paul at pmcgregor.com. And please, if you want to continue raising awareness around mental health, around these episodes, please, if you're listening on iTunes, leave a rating and a review. Ratings and reviews, believe it or not, help with the exposure of the podcast. They help iTunes show it to more people. That isn't for my needless ego. Um, it really is to try and help raise awareness. If you don't want to leave a rating and review, it's up to you. It's entirely up to you. I'm not forcing you. But if you want to continue raising the awareness, that's something that you can do in the next minute that can potentially do that. I appreciate you listening all the way to the end and have a great day and I'll speak to you soon.